you're listening to Historically Accurate Sandcastles, the podcast that is not about sandcastles, historically accurate or otherwise. My name is Polly Jean Harrison and I am really good at getting sleeping bags back into their original bags. I can do it every time without fail. Um, and I'm here this week with my delightful guest, returning guest, Thomas. Hello. I mean, you could always cause a sequel. Um, <laughs> it is It is a veritable part two of the original it podcast. Is. So Thomas, do you have a fun fact for us this week? I do have a fun fact for you. My fun fact is I have a pet cat called William, who at this very moment in time is asleep on his favourite yellow cushion. <laughs> that's that's adorable. That's adorable. It's not necessarily a fun fact, but it is a fact, and it is quite adorable. So, that is that is pretty he, adorable. He's currently covering his eyes with his paws. Aww. So, dear, dear listener, dear listener, uh, see, I'm learning. I'm... <laughs> I'm learning, dear listener. If you can picture the scene, this is a cat upside down with both its arms over its head. He he is he is pretending to sleep, even though his one ear is pointed directly at me. So we at least have one listener. See, so you you say you're learning and you are learning, but you're still doing the thing where you turn your face away from the microphone. Yeah, but the microphone's <laughs> over on my left hand side. Yeah, so but you it's... just at least keep your face straight. I well, I've got to look at my cute, adorable cat. That's fair enough. Who's currently now having a wash? That I mean, everyone's got to be clean. Anyway, we're having a little bit of a different setup this week. So usually, uh, yes, on the podcast, we, uh, we would be in the same place to record mm. one, as is traditional for podcasting. However, this week we are trying something new, and we are podcasting <laughs> over the internet. We are indeed. So I am in Nottingham and Thomas is in Welshpool and we are talking on Skype and attempting to record a podcast at the same time. We do yes. not know if this is going to work. No. We don't know what it's going to be other than an editing nightmare on my part. But we're giving it a go. We're giving yeah. it a go and we're going to see what happens. I must put um, it out there. I do like the way you said, as is tradition in this vain attempt to be traditional, even I though mean, we are only on episode three. This is episode six. See, now this has to be episode three, which yes. I was going to leave it for a bit because it's going to take me a while to edit, but now I have to edit it next week. God damn it. Okay. Um, episode 3.5? 0.5. It will be episode three. I will just have to discard all of my master's work and okay. do episode 3.75. Oh, that's, oh, that's all over the place. Yeah. So this. There'll be an episode three point something in this title. That seems fair. Tangent, we should call this episode 3.14. And then we should be talking about Pi. But sadly, we're not talking about Pi. We aren't talking about Pi. Um, well, Pi's fine. Pi's good. The magical variety and the food variety. But that food is v- not what we're going to talk about today. No, we're not. We're not. What are we what going to talk about today? <laughs> You're the host. I'm the I guest. Am the host. I get to ask you. Surely it should be the other way around. I should be asking you. As I don't. My guest. I, I are you telling me I bring the fire? If that's what you want to believe, darling, then yes, you bring okay. the fire. I, I bring the fire. We're going to talk about. Well, we're going to talk about books, but before no, that, no, no, oh, no, no. I got. I'm leading on to that. I'm teasing. I was going to say. I'm teasing. Books ages away. <laughs> I'm teasing the main theme of today, which is going to be books, and we're going to talk all about books because books have a lot of meaning to us and. A lot of things that are very close to our hearts. But first of all, Polly's got a bit of a tangent. Because Polly wants to talk about alcohol. 
not uh, necessarily alcohol. I want to talk about one alcoholism. very specific evening that we had together. Yes. Um, uh, where basically, to give you the the crux of the story, Thomas got drunk and started singing in a bandstand, and then fell asleep in the car when I was driving him home. That is that that that's the um, <laughs> too long didn't read version for those uh, on Reddit. But this really, I mean, it deserves a bit more. Uh, oh, because this was your last ever staff Christmas party. It wasn't a Christmas party. It was just a staff party in general um, that I had organised, and it was in Chester, and it was in um, a hotel in Chester in like one of their bar bits, and it was fancy, like it was fancy off. It was. And the food was amazing, and it was it was actually a really good party to be fair because it was all like paid for as well. Yeah. Um, so it was going really well, but you gate crashed. <laughs> Well, in fairness, you said, look, I'm going to go to this thing. It'll be fine. But do you want to go out afterwards? And I went, yes. And thought I could even gate crash. Because, you know, and a night out in Chester, I'm always down for that. And you did. You did gate crash. It was quite funny because you dropped me off, didn't you? You dropped me off to the party. And there yes. Was quite well, I, wa- I walked you to the party, tried to hide. <laughs> and they went, hey, Polly's boyfriend from across the road, which I then had to come over and sociable i didn't get invited or dragged in which no. is pro- probably a good thing is that at that point i hadn't had food because <laughs> i'd been out about that day um but i basically took you to your last work party which was quite you fun. did you did you dropped me off um, and then, i got a good grilling about you because yes. this, this was the first time people had seen you this properly. was the first time people knew that you existed properly properly yeah yeah oh, um, oh god yeah that's yeah. a story for another that's day. a story for another time dear listener <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I went for Chinese. Well, that... let me let me just explain how my evening went, and then yeah. we'll explain how your evening went, and then when we we'll met tie them together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my it was pretty good. We just had the party. It was drinks. The food was really good. It was great. I was obviously texting you every now and again beforehand, uh, during even, and yeah. so we're having a good time. And just every now and again, I'd get a text from mm. Thomas just with with a picture. Of a pint. Because <laughs> you, after your Chinese, you found yourself in a pub, didn't you? Yeah. Would you like to explain what happened right. then? Had the Chinese and thought, right, looked at my phone and went, she's probably got another hour before she's going to bail. Because, you know, I thought, well, where can I go? And I thought, well, I can't go to the botanist. I can't stop on cocktails. I walked past a couple of pubs and went, I don't really want to do pub because it was a Friday night. Or was it a Saturday? Oh, no, it was a Saturday. A Saturday. And I thought, well, part time in Chester on a Saturday, I was like, no, not really. Don't really want to go into a pub by myself and sort of just, meh. I thought, ah. And suddenly I had a brainwave. And you know when you have a moment of a good idea? I like Jules pubs. And we both now have a lot of fondness for Jules. I it think. has become our place, hasn't it? It has. And we've been to the Fox in Oxford a few times and... You know, it, 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 it was our place. And I went, went, yes, fantastic. I remember this pub. It's great. That's where I will go to. So I went there and walked in and went, yes. And of course, because it means a lot to us, I sent you some pictures. And at the same time, I ordered Jules Pale Ale, which is one of my <laughs> favourites. And I thought it'd be a great thing to do to um, have a pint of that. So I did and ordered it. And then I looked across the bar. And I saw there was a special. And I went, ah, I love a special. Specials are one of my favourite things. So I thought, sure, I'll sink this pint. And I did. 
So I sank this pint of Jules beer, which was great. And then ordered directly afterwards the special, which was like an IPA for the Cricketing World Cup. Because, you know, cricket, great. I love cricket. So then I sent you a picture of the second pint. You did. And this is where you probably pick up the story, I think. Well, yeah, because you, you, just, you just drank pints, didn't you? Well, I had two. It wasn't you drank like, two I'll... before I got there. And then well, no, because came... then I, walk, I walked up to see you. You swung back to pick me up. And I basically walked up, met you, and you and basically said hello to your friends. There were some fun stories. I won't tell them to protect the innocence of some of your ex-work colleagues, but there were some... Don't. No. no. But there were some, there were some good stories. Um, walked in, had a look round, didn't quite get on the free drinks. No, I think that was a bit too far. That was probably um, a bit too far to try and... Purely to... because my, my manager at the time was outside where you were. I was going to sneak you in, but because he was outside, I was like, nah, I can't. And because I was already leaving, I think this was about a two weeks before um, I left that job. I didn't want to push it. <laughs> didn't really. want to push it. So. No. so I said, I found an awesome place. We should go to it. And you went, okay, I'm cool with that. Yeah. So, so yeah. we walked to the Jules pub. So we walked to the Jules pub. We got to the Jules pub. Um, I'd already had a bit to drink that evening. I mean, you had. Mostly Prosecco. And you went, walked back in and sank another pint. I believe you sank another three pints. I mean, it it was a bit of a... I mean, I had definitely two more of the specials. And then the thing that probably was the mistake, and in hindsight, dear listener, it was the mistake, I had a pint of the Indian Pale Ale. That they do specifically, which is a 5.2. And after drinking what could be basically referred to as session beer. We have a running joke. We have uh, a running joke. In yes. our relationship about session beer. Because Thomas yeah. once told me that session beers around the 4% mark are designed to be drunk. Multi- like lots. There's supposed to be lots of session beers. Yeah, and, you have like three or four and you're fine. And someone had three or four session beers and they were not fine. No, I mean, I was fine because it... I'm it, sorry. I, no, we haven't got to the best bit. We haven't got yet. to the you best were part. Not but fine. but I, I was okay. Uh, but I had the session beers. And um, it was one of those things that really... I, it was just good beer. When you're in good beer, good moments with you, it was great. Um, it's one of those things that you just need to... What's the best way to say this? You need to just live a little and be in the moment. So um, right. I did have in total about six pints that night. I'm yes. sorry, bullshit. Live in the moment. What? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the point where really you can just turn around to say that you had a Coke. Yeah, I um, stopped drinking. I had one more drink when we were at that pub and then I was on the Coke. Yeah. Because someone had to drive home. And yes. it clearly wasn't going to be you. Well, no, it wasn't, and that's all. But well, I, it wasn't going to be me because I'd taken the train to Chester that day. Well, so see, that's, my... that's 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 fine. That is fine. Um, I appreciate that, and I could have driven your car because yeah, I'd yeah. driven because I had a Citroen C1 in a previous life. So my fine. my grand plan was if I'd gotten too drunk, I would have made you drive home. Yeah. But that was a sneaky plan that didn't rely on me then having two pints. It wasn't a and... sneaky plan. It was just like plan B, just yeah. in case. Just yeah. in case I drank too much. It was yeah. plan B. And yeah. then plan B got blown out of the water because someone had six pints in the pub. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and then you drank my Coke. 
Well, the thing is, you'd sort of gone to the bathroom. And I I'd... had had, right, dear listener, I had had a glass of Coke. It was very nice Coke, and it was it was it it quenched a thirst that I'd had. And in the Coke was a little lemon wedge, and it got to the very sort of last last inch, the last couple of uh, mouthfuls of Coke, and the lemon wedge had just like really like properly infused. And it was just, it was delicious. And it was there, ready and waiting for me. So just as we were about to leave, I was going to go for a wee, come back, down my Coke, and then we were going to go for a walk. And you drank it. You downed it. Yeah. I came back and my Coke was gone. And I, I, I was going to cry. The Coke was gone. The glass was gone. And there was me going, come on, let's go. <laughs> and, oh, I have, I'm still not over that. I'm no, still I know. not over that. I mean, I must admit, the worst thing about that night is I stopped noticing that you weren't drinking. <laughs> You were plastered. I, I was. And <laughs> You'd had six pints. I kept going up to the bar and sort of going, do you want anything? And he went, yeah, can I, have a, can I have a pint of Coke? I went, oh, okay, cool. And suddenly in the back of my mind, there must have been a thing going, it's not beer or gin. What, what's what's happened? What's happening here? And it's like... Yeah, did you did you think there was like something wrong with me or something like that? Like, oh, is she okay? Does she feel very well? It's like, well, no, just someone's going to drive home and it's going to be me. So. I di- I, I'll be honest with you, I did not think about driving home. Interestingly... <laughs> So you didn't think about driving home? No, you no, didn't. No. But after, so we left the pub. Yes, which went was for a, a shame. Walk along the Chester River, and By someone, the because they were quite uh, high on life, if you will, animated. I was uh, animated. animated. Yeah, someone was so loud. Oh my God, I've never heard you talk louder. You were so loud, and this was like at midnight now, and there's a, lots of residential houses around Chester, and you were screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Like literally, or and then we got to the bandstand in Chester, and you mm. we had a we stood in the bandstand and just talked for like a second, mm. and then you started screaming the Welsh national anthem, and when I I'm like pro, so loud, just my hair, it was insane how loud you were, and you didn't see it as a problem. You, no. I was just like shh 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 shh, and you just kept on going. Well, I, I did I sing other songs as well, or was that it? You did sing other songs as well. I believe you sung the French national anthem also. Um, and then there was we did have a cute moment actually. A, get your sick bags out. There was a moment where you started singing "Kiss to Build a Dream On," and we had a little bit of a dance. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember that. That was yeah. cute. I mean, we tried to walk along the river along the D, and it wasn't that interesting. And it was not cold, but just a bit. It was just fine. Um, yeah. So we got slightly bored of that, I think. And, and I, I really needed a wee. Yes. And there was absolutely nowhere to wee. There yeah. There was no toilets anywhere, and that was that was not great. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we called it a day and went back to the car. Yeah. Where I promptly drove home. Yeah. And uh, someone fell asleep in the passenger seat. I tried to stay awake. I really did. <laughs> Literally the whole way home, I was driving in silence. <laughs> Punctuated only by your tiny snores. <laughs> <laughs> your head was practically in your lap. Like, your head was not... It was rolling around. Like, you, it was not straight at all. No. But then every now and again, you'd kind of wake up. Like, I'd hear you go... <gasps> and then, like, as if you'd woken up. And then as soon as I turned to look at you, your head was straight back down <laughs> again. And you, you just... You slept the entire way home. Yeah. <laughs> You were the most riveting company. I seem, uh, <laughs> I see, I seem to remember waking up, talking to you, and then basically drifting back into unconsciousness. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But I don't think there must have been much of a conversation. 
No, there was. I'm going to tell you now. There was absolutely no conversation. <laughs> the only bit of that journey I can remember remind myself of is the roundabout at Chester before you go <laughs> along the A55. That big bit. Yeah, yeah. And I remember waking up for that, but thank God I was wearing a seatbelt because obviously I was just slumped. That you were it. out of it. I was probably at... dead to and the And then world. you drove home after. Well, you didn't drive home. You drove to your <laughs> grand, didn't you? But like, oh no. my God, I sh- no, I, I did not. I stayed at yours. I mean, where did you sleep? On the floor or in the shed? Yes, I did. Yes, that's something <laughs> I definitely did. I did not drive to my grandmother's at all. Because Partially I... drunk and not well. I then... so... I was sober. I was entirely sober. See, the worst thing is, we were meeting each other at like half past eight the next day and I felt really bad because that was not enough time for you to sleep it off and you were driving because we were going to go on a road trip. <laughs> we were. And um... we... But... Because I'm still at Hearts University student, I woke up and was fine. To be and fair, I... we did go for a Toby Carvery, so that probably helped too. That, that, that was did. like a big breakfast. It was, but to be honest, I was aggressively fine. This, is, I, I got to my grandmother's, I got into bed, I just went straight to sleep, and then woke up the next morning going, oh, I'm fine, okay, cool, right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> because session beer doesn't affect you, it's great. It is a mystical creature that just basically makes you very sleepy, but then fine, aggressively fine. Shocking. Absolutely yeah. shocking. Yeah. Session beer. Session beer, isn't it? Session beer, session you know. Beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If it, session beer, isn't it? It's fine. 3.8%, it's great. It is, I mean, it... do you remember when we went to the microbrewery in Nottingham and um, you had a session beer that was like 4% and I had a cider that was like 6.8%? <laughs> And I drank it and I was like, whoo. That was the day that we pretty much, I think, near enough, wrote off a day. And that's oh, possibly... that was a complete write-off of a day. We literally walked around the entirety of Nottingham. Yeah. Went to two pubs. And then, what did we do for food? Oh, had Chinese. We had Chinese, which was that good was... Chinese. It was good Chinese, but that was literally what we did all day. We just drank, walked <laughs> around, drank beer, went to the cat cafe. Cat cafe was good. We that went was to the cat cafe. Because we decided that we needed to sober up. So we went to the beer keller for probably yes, the first and, and you only time. Me for about 40 minutes because the football was on. Yeah, because Salad was just... drawing one all. <laughs> we just sat in a pub in <gasps> silence. <laughs> and you were using my phone to check the score as well because yours had died. So I was just literally sat staring at the bowl of chips we were eating yeah. in silence. <laughs> And there's me going, you're right. Come on, come on, town. I'll <laughs> yeah, have a go. Again. Have a go. Come on. Every now and again, you just look up at me and be like, you okay? And I'll be like, yep, yep, all good. All good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're now a convert because you've been to two Shrewsbury Town matches. I have been to two Shrewsbury Town matches. And you now know how that feels. <laughs> I do know. I know how uh, it feels to win a game. Yep. I know how it feels to lose a game. I can't wait for you to enjoy the thrill of drawing a game. I'm sure that's going to be uh, delightful. Because um, your um, your experience of Shrewsbury Town matches... I mean, this is a good tangent. What's your two experiences of Shrewsbury Town matches in terms of scoreline? So the very first match I went to, it was 4-3 to Shrewsbury. Yes. Four goals, which I'm told is very good. Uh, it is. So that was a good... T- that was fun. To be fair, I liked that one because when I liked the the atmosphere when they score because everyone just goes mental. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Um, and then the second match I went to was also 4-3, but this time Shrewsbury lost. Yes. And there <laughs> and was a fight. Was, 
That was not great. People didn't like that. People no. didn't like that at all. <laughs> I mean, you've been to a match where there was actual physical violence on the pitch. Yeah. Because the players decided the best thing they could do is to attack each other. Which, yeah, you know, that was drama. There was there was a lot of drama. It was yeah, impressive. It was like, oh, this isn't like the last game I went to. This is a, oh, yeah. <laughs> and from everybody being like, oh, great players. I love our team. That our team are great. I mean, that was the thing that yeah, amused me the most. Yeah, everyone yells at the players, even when they're your team. I, that was everyone the that... started swearing at them, and I was like, that's <laughs> not very nice. <laughs> that is the bit that made me laugh the most. When you turned to me and went, but there are players. I went, yeah. And they're going, but the bloke behind us has just called them at... And you're going, yeah. At that's... one point, the, the guys around us were like, break his legs! Just like, whoa. <laughs> oh, good grief. <laughs> It's all those things that there's just such a high of emotion. It's not like sort of it plateaus or sort of, yeah, okay, a little high, a little low. Yeah, that that's good. That's good. It's like right up top. And yeah, it's mad. We're downing and it's up there and it's down. It is very weird football, actually. It, 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 it's not necessarily in a bad way. It's just weird in a very much, I don't know what's the right phrase in a sense, but it's just quite intense. It's absolutely mad. And stop fiddling with whatever you're fiddling with because that's going to come up on the audio and I'm going to have to edit it out and I'm not clever enough for that. Well, so you're, are you happy with your tangent? You, I'm you... happy with my tangent. Good. Um, but no, I mean, Chester was good fun. It was a lovely sort of meal, dinner, party thing you had. It was lovely to turn up and be there. That was fun. That was nice. And the same breath, we had a lovely evening. And we do those sort of things. We... It wasn't quite when we go to the botanist and have like a couple of drinks, enjoy it. It was sort of a good session. And I'm kind of hoping that we get some more chances later on in the year where we can both just just enjoy the session beer and <laughs> not have to drive home. Both get drunk. Well, we are going to Chester again in January. Which I forgot. Are. I forgot about. I also forgot, but now we're staying overnight so we can definitely both enjoy the second beers. Yes, yes. Which so, will be good. Which will be very good, actually. It will be very good. Yeah. So, moving yes. swiftly on. Yes. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a chat now. And this week's chat is, as Thomas ruined earlier... I, um, I hyped. Spoilers. Dear listener, uh, you've been waiting for this for the last ten minutes, haven't you? I know. Anyway, we're going to talk about books. Mm. Books are great. Mm. Uh, we both like books a lot. Um, books come up quite a lot in our relationship, I think. We tend to go book shopping quite a lot, or we'll just sit and read books together, which I always think is quite nice. Mm, mm. Um, so I thought we'd have a little bit of a chat about books. First of all, what is your favourite book? Oh, um, my favourite book is probably... Don't turn uh, your head away from the microphone. Okay, my favourite book... I mean, dear listener, I'm now looking at my bookshelves, and because that's where all my favourite books are. And my favourite book is probably a top three. No, you got to pick one. Oh, pick one. I'm going to tell you the three, because okay. I know which book it is, but I just want to put honourable mentions out there. See, I'm pretty sure I know which book it is too, but by all means, go ahead. Going Postal, yeah. which is not my favourite, but is an honourable mention, because I love most of Um It's probably... Ah, tricky. I'm going to say... The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's wrong. That's not your favourite book. No, but that's, again, top three. Okay. And those two are the honourable mentions. And uh-huh. there can only really be 
one book that really I think that I could pick up over and over and over again and read to the heart's content. And the problem is, it isn't even one book, it's a series. And that is The Flashman Books by George Madon Fraser. That is not the book that I thought was your favourite book. No, it's it's always it's always Flashman. Ah, oh, I thought it was The Three Musketeers. You see... It, yeah, you told it, me that was your favourite book when we first met. It is one of my favourite books, but the, and it was the one I started off by thinking about. But the films are brilliant. The book is very, very hard work to get into. And even though... I mean, I even quoted it today because, you know, that's what I just do at work. I quote the Musketeer books of people um, when handing somebody a receipt. It, it wasn't a receipt. It was a gift voucher. Mm -hmm. And I handed, basically, the envelope with the gift voucher to the customer. I went, here's the gift voucher. The name is blank, but it is to you that I give it. Um, because at the end of the Musketeer books, Cardinal Richelieu presents Monsieur Le D'Artagnan with a commission as lieutenant of the King's Musketeers, and he turns to him and goes, the name is blank, but it's to you I give it. And D'Artagnan goes to Athos, Porthos and Aramis and says, you're all more worthy, you should have this. This is this is the right... This, this, a commission would be great. Um, Athos goes, for Athos it is too much, and for the Comte de la Fere it is too little. You have it, child. To Porthos, Porthos turns around and goes, how would a man of great courage, station and fashion be seen as an officer? No, no, too much regulation and faff. You have it, my boy. And Aramis turns around and goes, You forget, dear boy, I wish to be a bishop in the church. I have no need of such piddling titles such as Lieutenant of the Musketeers. It will suit you very well. And finally D'Artagnan takes it, becomes Lieutenant and then Captain of the Musketeers, which this local character does, so I quoted that today. And that's one of my favourite lines. The Musketeer books have a cl very close place in my heart, but mm -hmm. no, it, the... The Flashman books I can always pick up and I can just read. And it's, if reading is for pleasure, for enjoyment, for amusement, but also for education, for knowledge and for wit and literary skill. Mm -hmm. The idea of the Tom Brown school, boy, school days and the bully of that book, Flashman. Mm -hmm. Flashman is that same Flashman. He is the school bully. Um, but McDonald Fraser plucks him out of the Tom Browns and makes him into a literary character. When the first book was published, he kept it very much as, this is a literal diary that is a first-person historical source I found in the sale room. I'm publishing the books and basically editing them as papers and publishing them. To the extent that there was three American universities that published reviews of them as actual historical works of primary source evidence. Not fiction, as a non-fiction book. Mm -hmm. because they are that well written, they're that accurate, they're that correct to the period. Perfect. So tell me about the books then. Give me a, a brief synopsis about okay. what, what they are. Well, Harry Flashman, and again, it, as I say, you've got, to you've, you've got to be aware of Tom Brown's school days. Harry Flashman is a cad. He is a rogue, a cheat, a liar, um, a, a ruiner of women. He's almost the most unpleasantest man in the world. But he is saved by the fact that you are reading his diaries, and in his diaries he is an honest, brash, but still honest man. What Macdonald Fraser was always very good at doing, because he was a newspaper editor, was taking historical fact and bending it to get Flashman involved. So mm -hmm. he, he fights in the American Civil War, the Crimea, he's part of the charge of the Light Brigade. He, 
he's a snapshot into all of them. And one of my favourite books of his, actually, is The Angel of the Lord, yeah. which is all about John Brown, who famously goes and invades Virginia, Harper's Ferry, and liberates the slaves. Mm-hmm. And Flashman is sent by the British government to stop him. But in the same breath, the US government turns around and goes, right, we know you've been sent to stop this because it will start the Civil War. Well, we actually want you to help him and start it to make sure it does happen because we do want to start the Civil War. And it's like a lot of good historical faction books. The more you look at what Flashman does, the more you turn around and go, oh, that's true. And the way that George Bernard Fraser writes him is very much the Victorian cat. He, he is not a pleasant character. He is not somebody that you would like. He is very much the anti-hero. But in the same breadth of, but that's the Victorian hero that existed. We, mm-hmm. They were all cads. Uh, Gordon, even the great Christian, um, who will go and try and liberate Khartoum and the Sudan. Absolute, you know, the embezzlement. <laughs> he wasn't a great man. But because he died a heroic death, in the Christian virtue, and that's in quotation marks, is seen as this great hero. The Victorian press loved the hero. It didn't matter if you'd gone off with many women and frauded, defrauded. Flashman is just a very good example of how the Victorian world is. And in terms of historical commentary, it's very good. It's not political. It's very much snapshot diaries and that's the best thing I, I like about them that for a person who is interested in history as you know it's more it's a real in-depth view of the history that you could read it as a historical accurate diary and to a large extent if you took the Flashman character out it is all historically accurate every single part but it's reading a history book that's fun interesting the wit is fantastic there's enough action it's like reading a sharp novel the history is perfectly historically accurate, but there are just a few Mary Sue characters inserted. And the Flashman stories are just fun, and they're entertaining, and they're light-hearted, and they've just always been a joy to read. What I love about that is that your favourite book is something really intelligent and really like, ooh, okay, that sounds like, hmm, interesting. My favourite book is Holes. Well, <laughs> I, I, I will put a slight tangent to that. My favourite book, yes, is very intelligent, historically based. It's also full of a lot of sex, a lot of violence, and a lot of daring do boys adventure own esque. So, <laughs> it, it, it's intelligent in the very much mm, this way. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like it Possibly. sounds, it so, when you explain it, it sounds grander than perhaps it is. Mm, I'll have um, to lend you a copy. I mean, yeah, you will, I, I, actually. I'll have to bring you. I'll let, I have to let you borrow my copy of Flashman, which is the first book, and it, it, it's it's very very good. But anyway, so let's talk about holes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Everyone always has really good, uh, interesting books as their favourites, and mine is still holes. Mine has been holes since I was probably about twelve or thirteen, and it is still very much my favourite book. And it is one of the books that I can go back to again and again and again because it just cheers me up. Mm. Um, Holes, you're probably, you know Holes from mm. school. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people read it at school in like year seven or eight. Um, I didn't, but that's how I found out about it. I remember yeah. being in my English class and there was a big pile of them on my teacher's desk. And I was like, oh, that book looks interesting. Mm. Put that on the Christmas list. So I did. Mm. And I just fell in love with it. I, I absolutely love it. Um, it's 
basically about uh, a boy called Stanley who um, gets sent to a, oh, what would you call it? Like a, a penitentiary camp, like a prison camp for juvenile delinquents, um, even though he didn't actually commit the crime that he is accused of. Um, and at this camp, they have to dig one hole every day. Mm. Um, and that is what they do. And it's supposed to be for character building and to help rehabilitate them back into society. But mm. in actuality, it is a plot uh, to uncover secret treasure yeah. um, by the camp warden. Yeah. And the thing I love most about Holes is that it's not one story, it's three. Um, and that really, I, oh, it's so lovely because there's, there's, so, there's a tiny little bit of magic in it too. And not in the way of like, you know, wizards and witches and stuff like that, but kind of just sort of like traditional family, almost magical realism in that there is a curse and one of Stanley's great, great grandfather, mm. uh, his no good rotten pig stealing great, great grandfather, um, basically stole a pig and cursed his entire family and mm. which is why they are down on their luck and then Stanley has to break that curse even though he doesn't know it but we as readers know that he has to break that curse and we mm. as readers know spoilers that he does break that curse and he doesn't and mm. I just think it's so beautiful how there's like three different plot lines all relating to the same thing all like telling you the same story mm. and it just intertwines so beautifully and it's written so wonderfully mm. um, with one of the greatest love stories in literature in my opinion um, between uh, Sam and Kate who are just delightful and it goes back into history too we have like the modern day with Stanley and then it goes back uh, to Sam and Kate in sort of like a wild west kind of uh, town and then it goes back <laughs> even further than that to when uh, Stanley's great great grandfather was back in his country which I cannot remember what it is could be Latvia Latvia sounds about right but I'm pretty sure it's not Latvia yeah um, so it just tells all these different stories all interweaved and it never feels jarring it never yeah. feels like you're jumping from one to one it's all perfectly balanced and it's mm. quite a short book it's only little but so much happens in it and so much good stuff happens and I just adore it I adore the symbolism I adore the little like the hints to each thing like how there's loads of different um plot points in like sort of the main plot that mm. relate back to all the other plots and you like ah because you know and you figure it out and mm. the ending is just lovely too and it's just i love it so much i know a lot of people hate it people hate it because they had to read it at school yes they had to like analyze it at school and i know you hate it because you had to do it at school I, i'm indifferent to the book in 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 reality but yeah and uh, yeah, and that's the thing. But I adore it, and it is—it's the best fiction book mm. in the world. I mean, I will ask: Do you have a top three? Yes. Okay. So honorable mentions would include an absolutely remarkable thing by Hank Green. Oh yeah, um, yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. It's, it's, it is the book I lent you. I don't think you actually read it in the end, but I, I borrowed uh, it to you. I tried. <laughs> Yeah, that is, I, I'm actually got that book in front of me. Um, I actually have a signed copy by the author Hank Green. Hank Green is one half of the Vlogbrothers, yeah. um, who you may be familiar with. And he also... We're is... coming for them! <laughs> this, this is how the Vlogbrothers record their podcast. They have a podcast themselves called Dear Hank and John, and mm. they do it over Skype because they live in different states. So mm. we, we are coming for them, quite literally. Um, and John Green, Hank's brother, also wrote Fault on Our Stars, which you probably know about that. Um, so yeah, the absolutely remarkable thing, it's quite a recent book, I think it came out last year or the year before, he's very recently announced the sequel, which is coming out next year, which I'm very excited about. Basically, to sum up the plot in a really, really quick way, 
overnight, these giant uh, statues, metal statues, mm. appear in cities all across the world. Like, hundreds of them just appear overnight. No one was, knows where they came from. No one knows what they are. Um, but they are dubbed Carls, so they are Carls. And basically, what happens is that the protagonist, April May, stumbles across one of these statues, literally at, like, the second it appears, and makes a YouTube video about it, being, like, all funny. Um, and then it breaks that, you know, these Carls have appeared, and she becomes, like, a viral celebrity. Um, and it turns into, sort of, she becomes an authority on the Carls, because she was there first, so for somehow she becomes, she gets on all these talk shows, she becomes a celebrity, she she speaks on panels and stuff like that, and, like, there's there's all more plot underneath that, like, you discover what the Carls are, and there's all sorts of, like, puzzles and stuff like that, but it kind of, it's a commentary on both social media and society, and it's just, I don't know, I just think it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I just, it's, it's also, it's one of the only books, um, that I have ever felt a bit sick to finish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to break the magic just a little bit to tell you that Thomas has just snuck out, uh, of his room. I assumed to go to the bathroom, but he just held up a sign that said, keep talking on it. Um, so he did not realise though that I can edit this so I can just be quiet for a minute and then when he comes back start talking again. Uh, but he did not think of that because he is silly. Um, but yeah, an absolutely remarkable thing I think is really good. It grapples with a lot of themes, fear and uncertainty and an alien invasion essentially. Um, and I, it's one of the best books I've ever read. I stayed up all night to read it and I genuinely felt sick, um, to finish it because it just was so gripping and was so thrilling and he's come back now with a little grin on his face because he thinks he's gotten away with it <laughs> oh have i not <laughs> you're not gonna with that i may have told our dear listener um, right what was going on because i thought it was funny <laughs> i just thought you know i could edit this right oh yeah that's... you could have gone you could have gone like time out and then i'd have stopped talking oh, i see no it's uh, <laughs> I, I decided to write on a piece of paper Keep talking. Yeah, I've, I've, I've said, yeah. Oh, good. I mean, <laughs> at, at what level of dobbing in have we gone for here? Oh, full dobbing. As soon as you left the room and took your headphones off, I was like, well... I wish to, I wish to pause this uh, discussion of this great <laughs> book for... Um, for a, he needs a piss. <laughs> he needs to go to the loo. Yeah. But anyway, an absolutely remarkable thing up there. I did try and get you to read it, Thomas, yes. but you didn't. I, I got far... Just I didn't finish it. I don't know how you can leave a book unfinished. That would literally make me want to vomit. I, the, I, there are some books where there's a blatant message and story to be told with them. The problem I think I have with the John Hank Green book mm -hmm. is it was a bit obvious. See, I and, disagree. And... I didn't think it was obvious at all. I was literally so gripped by it. I get, I get. There were moments that were kind of like you, you saw coming, but like in actuality, I don't, for me, I don't know how far you got to it. I but... got about halfway, and the problem yeah. is, I started getting a bit fed up of, yes, obviously, you can start a YouTube channel. Nothing's going for you. It's so frustrating because you want to be this great thing, mm. which a YouTube channel is. I mean. It, there's always a slight bit, bit of me in the back of my mind that goes, I wish I'd actually uploaded at the same time as people like The Sidemen or Cullux or a whole range of UK YouTubers. 
and that's more on the gaming side, which obviously I, I was going to say I, I do not recognise either of those. I'm like, no, yeah, no. yeah. But in the same thing of saying, uh, I mean, any of the more UK gaming community, where you turn around and go, yeah, I mean, I was playing FIFA, I was playing Call of Duty, I was playing all these games. If only I put a webcam in front of me and upload it to YouTube, I may not be working for a wine merchant. I may be editing video software and living in London, you know. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the point of an absolutely remarkable thing, though. It's not the no, fact no, no. that you can be a YouTuber. It's more just how... Um, the, I, I think even though it is, yes, it is a comment on the social internet and it is a comment on YouTubers in general, mm. it's kind of more more than that and it kind of speaks to what do people do when they don't know what to do. I, I Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, in the same breath for... It's very much, it's very much a book about YouTube, the modern world, and how we consume media, and how media yeah. is at our fingertips. How you're a star, how the pressures of being a star, how that impacts on people, how it impacts on your friends. I mean, the mate who basically stands behind the camera, who's really happy for that to happen, in the same breath, you go, "Yep, that's going to be conflict." Hmm. I know, and I get, I get that, and I, there were elements of it that were predictable but i think if you'd have stuck with it and got to the the sort of last um what would you call the last act of the book i think you'd have been like me and really just got into it and got so surprised around every turner every corner even um but no i do love that book that is an honorable mention that's probably my joint favorite book okay maybe but i do love it it's a very close second yeah um so what would be a third Born Weird uh, by Andrew Kaufman. I enjoyed that. Yes, I did lend it to you, I remember. Um, that, that is a really good book, which is basically, again, kind of this whole magical realism genre. I love the mad, um, the genre of magical realism. It's yeah. very cool. Kaufman does it very well. He has a lot of books all around. His style is really good and in the sense that just... The only way I could describe it without people reading it is just things happen and then they're not explained. So, yeah. like, in one of his books uh, called The Tiny Wife, there is um, a woman who basically just starts drinking. Um, yeah. And someone's tattoo attacks them and a baby starts pooping money. And all these things happen for kind of no reason. And mm. He never tells you the reason. Um, so I really like that kind of magical realism. Mm. Um, and Born Weird is actually his least crazy book. It's probably the most normal, which is saying something because it's still a bit wacky. <laughs> where basically a family, um, uh, siblings have to break a curse put on them by their grandmother. They all have different curses, and so they have to try and break those curses mm-hmm. um, because they're all sort of like detrimental to them. And it's just very interesting. I think it's 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 very much like family bonding, but also just wacky stuff happens, and it's so creative. And I think Kaufman is just a genius when it comes yeah. to storytelling. Um, and I just really loved it, so that would definitely be up there too. Those are my top three, a hundred percent. Okay, um, so good conversation on the top three. I mean, the next one is what's the most recent book you bought? The most but recent just, book. Just just to put context out there, this is Christmas time, so <laughs> we're not including Christmas presents for each other. Yes, because if we were including Christmas presents for each other, it would definitely be the most recent book I bought. Oh, um, spoiler! That is a spoiler, but also, of course, I was going to buy you a book. <laughs> I mean, I will put it out there, and it's a throwback to your radio show, but it's still something I genuinely love the idea of, the idea that for wedding favours as presents for Yes, guests, so, to explain... Just um, talk about that for a bit, because I, 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 that, 
that was something that made me go, oh, yeah, because that, that would be actually quite fun. Yes. So to explain, um, I have a radio show that I host with my friends on Sundays. And on that radio show one week, we were just talking all about weddings and like how we would have for our wedding. And I felt a little bit awkward because also because I knew you were listening and I didn't want people to think I was like, come on, hurry up and propose already. Yeah, but you're, <laughs> um, you're not that person. I'm not that person. But we, we were just talking about weddings. And one of the ideas I've had for a wedding is how... Because when you're, when you're a girl, I don't know if guys do too, but when you're a girl, you think about weddings a lot and you think about your wedding. I think I think like guys do. Wedding. I yeah. think guys do. I mean, we've had quite a lot of chats about it, haven't we? We've talked about our wedding so many times. Well, you have to. We talked about our wedding before we were even officially together. Like, that's how... Yeah, I mean, I do wonder sometimes if I'm just intense or if this is just a normal conversation because you can be grown <laughs> up enough to have that conversation. No, I think it was nice. It was nice. I mean, it, it, it's not necessarily the commitment that you're going to, but it's still... Yeah, these are conversations like, that are worth having. They're I fun. like talking about it. And we're both grown up enough to not be, like, weirded out by it. Yeah. So that, that's good. But anyway, so we talk about weddings on the radio show. And I was thinking that for my wedding favours, mm. I would like to have secondhand books. Mm. So just, like, go to... Just loads it, like, over, like you know, collect them over a period of time, just go to different charity shops and different, like, bookshops, just collect, like, a really lovely big stack of books that you'd give out as wedding favours. And, like, I was even thinking you could put, like, custom bookmarks in or something like that to be like, thank you for coming to the wedding. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, you could give out the books based on the person. So if you found a book that you thought someone might particularly like, then you'd give it to that person. And I just thought that was really cute. And I also thought that would be really cute for our mm. wedding specifically because we both like books, as discussed. <laughs> so... Um, but that was nice. But we do go, we do go book shopping quite a lot. We went to, um, ev I think every time we go on a road trip, we find ourselves in a bookshop. Well, the one in Ironbridge was particularly, particularly good. Yes, I like the one in Ironbridge. Then we went to Hay on Wye, which is literally the kingdom of books. Um, but the last book that I ever, I bought, mm. uh, was actually one I bought with you. Mm. Um, when we went to Shrewsbury, not this time, but the time before, we went to the Oxfam bookshop mm. and I got, um, Women in Shakespeare. Ah. Um, a book by Judith Cook and it's all about all of Shakespeare's female characters mm. um, I haven't actually read all of it yet I've skimmed through and I'm very excited it's literally, if you needed to put me in book form, it would be this because it is both about Shakespeare which I love, and about women and I am a feminist, as I'm sure many people would know, mm. so like just women's issues and Shakespeare in one, it's like perfect, sign me up cost me 99p mm. and mm. I am thrilled by it so, yeah, um, I'm quite pleased with it. I'm excited to read it all. I'm actually bringing it home over Christmas so I can actually read it. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's the last book I bought. What was the last you bought? I can't get my words out today. What was the last book you bought? Well, my the last book I've bought has arrived today, which is fitting. And it's not for me. It, oh. is, a, it is a Christmas present. Now, it is a Christmas present for my dad, which is good because he's downstairs painting D does your dad uh, listen to this podcast no perfect, perfect. <laughs> at least i don't think he does and well but, basically well, he can't listen to this podcast until after christmas then yeah so if you are listening dad don't but i've bought this and this is the battlefields of the first world war a traveler's guide by tony and val holt now this would seem quite a quite a boring book in a sense because I have this book in 
two editions already. Oh. Um, back in 2010, and I've got the 1916 edition, which is the most mm-hmm. up-to-date. Now, I like to try and buy my dad old books, because they're books that are fun, because it gives you a snapshot of when. And the thing about this book, this is the first edition. Mm-hmm. And this was published in 1993. And this is the first book... To explain, Tony and Valerie Holt are very famous battlefield guides of the First World War. He's an ex-Royal Marine, uh, Royal Engineer Colonel. She's the wife. And they've done battlefield guides since they dot. And this is the first published book they did of their bus tours and their impromptu tours. And it's got everything. And it's... What I like about this is in the same breath, I have a book on... Remember, on Visiting the First World War Battlefields, published in the 1950s. Uh-huh. And that's very good because it's full of photographs. And the photographs are of, and it's one of the best ones, is at Langemark. And that's where my great-grandfather was wounded with Sixth Care line. And it shows you the view up towards the White House. Mm-hmm. And today, of course, there's houses, there's an extra road, there's telegraph poles. There's lots of modern detritus. This photograph, there's nothing. It is as near, I reckon, to a picture at the time, without obviously the trenches and the bits and pieces, to how that field must have looked. Mm-hmm. Where nowadays you can go there, but it's built over. You can yeah. take, you go up the road, but the road wasn't quite there. The, the buildings are now in the way of what was finally the machine gun post at the top of the ridge, which sprayed the advancing line and shot him in the leg. So, I like old books where. They're out of date. They are not factually... It's like having old copies of Rough Guides. They are not now... Yeah, you collect travel books, don't you? Yeah, I old I, travel I collect, books. Yeah, because it, it gives you a snapshot of what that is at the time. Because the best, the best and the worst thing about a book is, once a book is published, it is immediately out of date. Hmm. If it is a factual book. So a, a guidebook to uh, Venice, for instance, uh, published last year is possibly the most up-to-date book, but it won't talk about the very recent floodings in Venice, mm. for instance. Um, yeah. Because the problem is that nowadays, most books, that the internet is better. Mm-hmm. There is, if not Google reviews, there is, well, TripAdvisor, you, you, there's a full list. Yeah, the internet kind of takes over, yeah. Yeah. So a book becomes a snapshot of the history. And the nicest thing about that is the pictures in here... The, and actually, the history, because the interpretations of history, I listened to a, um, a podcast earlier today about the development of the British Expeditionary Force during the First World War mm-hmm. and how it became the greatest British army in 1918 from how it was in 1914. And the lecturer pointed out that that is only the opinion of the, it was actually November, something about the 28th of November. That mm-hmm. is his opinion right there. In two weeks' time, there may be a piece written on the Waterloo Army under the Duke of Wellington that actually says, no, no, this was the best army that the British Army has ever had. Yeah. And in the same breath that actually... X, y. History is very much... You can't say for definite because the history will always change. It will always evolve. And that's the bit that I quite have a lot of time for. And that's where then... 
old books like this come into play. I've bought my dad every single copy of Punch from 1914 to 1918 mm-hmm. because it's a snapshot of how you perceive history, the world, reality then. That's not to say it's in line with modern attitudes or it's in line with modern thinking in terms of historical accuracy mm-hmm. because we know better. We know, for instance, that things weren't as bad or things weren't as good or we have an interpretation of certain people. Mm-hmm. But in the same breath, to then have a snapshot of how it must have been in 1993, where you've got very little hotels, very little tourist information, it's no sat-navs, no guides, you're having to rely basically on the book, and having even have a brief look through where it talks about the roads. It's not, put this postcode in, put this in, put this in. There is very little, there's lots of detail, but the directions are just just follow this sign and hope almost they're mm. writing it as a guide right there right then yeah and it was all be that first bit of battlefield tourism that was the guide to the battlefields because for mm. a lot of people because of this war they've been so so far away people for the first time wanted to go and visit wanted to go and be part of that um so i bought him that which should be interesting um because like all things with uh with buying for parents, it's very difficult to get the right sort of things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, dear listener, but Thomas likes history. Yeah, you know. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Which is brilliant. No, it's mm. brilliant. I always love how passionate you get about stuff like that because it's, mm. it's a good thing to get passionate about. Mm. Um, but no, very cool. Very, very cool. For time purposes, we're going to end our book chat here, even though I'm sure we could talk for ages about different books different books you've read so i think it's definitely one to revisit in a future podcast yeah um and just again just pick a couple of books to talk about because books are great and i like books a lot so that brings us to the end of our podcast and yes. as of course in historical accurate science castle tradition thomas i'm going to ask you a question cool thank are you are you ready for the question i i'm braced okay so if you had to eat one food for the rest of your life what would it be? Ooh. Um, there is f- a right answer to this question. When you say food, I mean you want me to say tiramisu, and I'm not. That is no. To... That's the. That's not the right answer. Okay, that's not the right answer. Is this food or is this dish? What's the difference? <laughs> so if I say like burgers and chips, or it does it have to be a a, a food like? chips and that's it you kind of like burger and chips. no okay like, let's okay fine is, is it a dish, a, a on dish. A, it's on a plate yeah and whatever you've got on that plate is what you have to have for the rest of your life okay um i mean you said there's only one right answer here so i'm curious um i know what the right answer is i wonder if you've figured it out i mean we've eaten in a lot of places so it's nothing sentimental don't think it's sentimental at all this is about survival okay this um, is about getting through the rest of your life eating one food eating one dish of food i mean in theory that means a balanced diet absolutely uh, not no okay um one food i mean i probably have to go for hunter's chicken with chips coleslaw yeah excellent choice yeah. But that is the wrong answer. Okay. What is the right answer? Sandwiches. You've got so much choice. 
Yeah, but that's a cop-out. Which You sandwich? can basically have anything as long as it's in two pieces of bread. Basic yeah, but... Burger, that's a sandwich. Chip butty, that's a sandwich. Sausage sandwich, bacon sandwich. You can have vegetables on there. If anything, Thomas, a calzone is also a sandwich because it's just it's two bits of bread with stuff in the middle. Loophole! Cop-out answer. Loophole. Absolute cop-out. I'm Because you know what I'm like. I, I can't have the same thing constantly. I just get bored. Sandwiches. I mean, I will you let you. You can have like a full roast dinner between two pieces of bread, and it still counts because it's a sandwich. I mean, you can have a pork bap. You can, you can have, have a pork bap. You can have. Um, I mean, I will let you into a slight secret with the hunter's chicken. Mm-hmm. They used to do hunter's chicken at Morrison's. Okay. And then they just delisted it. But and listen very closely, dear listener. If you want to secret menu Morrison's, because I know you do. Do you mean the Morrison's Cafe? The Morrison's Cafe. What you do is you ask for the Southern Fried Burger without the bun. You ask for cheese, you ask for barbecue sauce, and you ask for bacon. And then you have Hunter's Chicken in a Southern Fried Chicken coating, (laughs) which improves it. They will look at you funny when you order that. But in the same breath, you alone will know that you've ordered Hunter's Chicken off the secret menu. I mean, I will tell you right now, I cook a mean Hunter's Chicken. Please, because Hunter's Chicken is honestly one of my favourite foods. See, you should have told me that and I would have cooked it you last time you came to my house. Hunter's Chicken is one of like the best things I know how to cook. Yeah. I do it Um, with like homemade chips and everything. Yeah. So, next time. I cannot wait. That would be good. Next time you come to my house. I mean, we had to do steak. Let's we did. The very first meal we cooked together um, at my house was a steak dinner, and it was lush. Yeah. It was absolutely lush. But um, no, next time you come around, I'll make you Hunter's Chicken, and it'll be really good, because I'm really good at it. Yeah. Um, good. But yeah, that brings us to the end of our podcast. Um, I really hope you've enjoyed listening to Historical Accurate Sandcastles. Thomas, thank you once again for Never a problem. with me, as it, as it were. Yeah, never a problem. Never a problem. I mean, clearly you came back, so you didn't. You enjoyed it enough. You didn't hate it the first time because you came back. So clearly we're doing something right. I mean, let's not lie here. I'm I'm the one who went. Let's try an online one. Oh let's yeah, you are. You are so keen. You are a keen bean where podcasting is concerned, which I am all about because I need someone to podcast with me. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll be to see if this one works. So this could be one that. Never makes it to air. So this could be like a, a blooper podcast that I release in, you know, like five years time where clearly my podcast has a lot of views and likes and stuff. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. But yeah. Mm. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh please listen to all of our podcasts. Go back. Uh we're slowly building up a little library. And feel free to follow on social media and all those other lovely places. But yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Thomas, thank you very much for being here. Never a problem. Looking forward to the next one. Woo! So yeah, catch you on the next one. Bye!